Welcome to the MPYA podcast. MPYA is a gathering designed specifically for young adults. In this podcast, you'll hear messages from our gatherings, as well as conversations that we hope will help you navigate these defining years of your life. We hope you'll join us as we explore practical ways we can follow Jesus in our everyday lives. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at North Point Young Adults and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. But with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode. Sunday schedule and it was like 6 a.m. to 8.59 preparing for community time and then 8.59 to 9.01 community time and then 9.02 from the rest of the day recovering from community time. Uh, So if you're an introvert, we love you and we're sorry that we make you do that, but it's good for you. It's good for us. Pushes us outside our comfort zone. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Allie. I work here on staff at North Point, not here at Young Adults, but I actually work with our high school ministry, Inside Out. So all of you who went to Daytona, thank you. Thank you. I was there, and it was a lot, and we all survived. Emmett, you survived, and we all are here to tell the tale. So thank you. I'm sure you're all still tired. I know that I am. Um, But I love high schoolers, but I love getting to be here at North Point Young Adults to hang out with you, hang out with people my own age, and Get to see all of you. So tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. So buckle up. Uh, We are in the series where we're going through 2 Timothy. And tonight, we are going to be looking at 2 Timothy 3. And if you noticed on your chair, you have 2 Timothy 3 right there. Uh, We've been telling you to bring your Bibles. And I know a lot of y'all have. But if you forgot, if you don't want to like mark up your Bible with what we're about to do, then you have your very own piece of scripture. But we're going to like Bible study tonight. Is that fine? Is that fine with you? We're going to, we're going to annotate, you know, we're going to do arrows and asterisks and it's going to be like you're back in school, but hopefully not feel that way, but it's going to be fun. Uh, It's going to be a little bit different, but I'm really, really excited. Um, Before we jump in, I, about nine months ago, had a baby, and when I was leaving the hospital, I had to sign a contract that if I was ever on stage in the first year of life, I have to show a picture. So here's my child. Here's Haven. I know. Thank you. I just can't. Like, there's something in me that does not have the self-control to not randomly show my baby to people. So we're getting that out of the way. Literally nothing to do with what we're talking about. But there she is. Perfect. All right. You can take her down. Bye, girl. Um... Before we jump in to 2 Timothy, I would love to pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you have provided us with your word. Uh, Thank you that we have the opportunity to open it and hear from you. You say that your word is alive and active, God, and I pray that tonight we experience that, we see that. Um, Speak through me. I pray that these are your words, not mine, and we just are excited for what you're going to reveal to us tonight through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. So 2 Timothy, a little bit of backstory. Um, this is a guy named Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. Um, and clearly, because of the two in front of Timothy, this is not his first letter to Timothy. But what we do know is through all of the letters that Paul wrote, this is the last one that we have. 
Okay, so I don't know if any of you have experienced hearing someone's last words um, when they're on their deathbed. Maybe you have a grandparent or a parent and you were with them in that moment. But when you hear someone's last words, you pay attention. You write them down. You really take them really seriously. And we know that Paul knew that his time was coming to an end. So when he wrote 2 Timothy, he had that in mind. Hey, I don't know how many more letters I'm going to get to write. So Timothy, I really, really need to tell you this. And so that's what we're going into 2 Timothy with that mindset of, hey, these are really, I mean, Paul, Paul's words are important, but these are the last of them. This is the last book that we have recorded of Paul's words. And so there's a weight there. There's something there that's really important. And so as we're going through this, I want you to keep that in mind. But with that being said, we're just going to jump in. All right. It's going to be up on the screen. You've got it, but we're going to read it together. Second Timothy three, one through five, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So we're starting on a high note, right? Um, Paul now lists 19 characteristics of people that he's telling Timothy to avoid. And when I think about this, I think about how if I was writing out characteristics or what I would want Paul to say of people to avoid, it would be like murderers, thieves, people who just like want to kick a puppy, like the worst of society, the people who think pineapple belongs on pizza, like the worst of the worst. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, But you know what I'm saying? Like I would imagine that Paul is like, hey, the worst people, avoid them. They're like clearly horrible. But I don't know about you. When I read this list, like I see some things that I struggle with, like a lot of things that I struggle with. Um, And so What I want you to do, because we're having group Bible study, I'm going to give you five seconds, and I want you to circle three, just three. We don't need to circle all 19, but I want you to circle three that when I read them, you were like, oof, is that me? Like, uh uh-oh. Okay, we're going to give you five seconds. Circle them. We're doing, this is like a giant small group. It's fun, right? We're having fun talking about our sin. Uh, So I'll go ahead and throw out mine. Uh, Just three. (laughs) It was like the first three, because, yeah, lover of self, proud, ungrateful. Lover of self, it's so easy to be focused on ourselves, obviously. Um, Proud, I find myself, my pride gets the best of me. I think I know everything. I, you know, we've all been there, hopefully. And then ungrateful, it's so easy to not acknowledge things that people have done for you, not acknowledge things that God has done for you. So this, this list is hard, jumping off, because it's like, hey, Paul's telling Timothy to avoid this type of person, but honestly, like, I feel like a lot of time I'm this type of person. And as I look through this list, things like lover of money, arrogant, disobedient to parents, which like, okay, that's specific, calm down, Paul. Unholy, heartless, no self-control, doing what you want to do, it doesn't matter. Uh, Reckless, lover of pleasure. I could say a lot of this, if not all of this, falls under the category of just selfishness, right? 
All of these, I think you can draw back to the idea of putting yourself before God or putting yourself before other people. All of these things look just like selfishness. Um, and then I want to point out two more things, having the appearance of godliness. Um, these people are not the non-Christians, right? Like we're saying, it, it looks like us, but these people look like they are godly. These are the people in church. These are the religious people. These are the people like you and the people like me that Paul's telling Timothy to avoid. And also, just to point out, Paul says avoid such people, which as the biblical scholars that we now are, obviously you're like, wait a minute, Allie. At the beginning, he says, in the last days, this will happen, but you want me to avoid them right now, meaning these people are there with Timothy, but also they're going to continue to be there until the last days. This epidemic of selfishness is going to continue until the end of time. Because Paul's saying, hey, in the future, this is gonna happen, but also right now, this is happening. And you need to avoid these people. So Paul continues. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of these two men. Okay, so Paul's taking this a little bit further and actually just giving us two examples of people that he just talked about. So the long list of the 19, he's giving us two examples. The first one is a very non-hypothetical, hypothetical example. Have you guys ever done that? You're like, hey, um, hypothetically speaking, and then you say something that just happened to you. For example, uh, like two weeks ago, I came home from the car wash, and I was like, Clay, hypothetically speaking, if I accidentally signed up for a $39.99 monthly payment to get my car washed for free, uh, but I only go twice a year, how do I undo that? And Clay's like, so it's not hypothetical. Like, that just happened to you? Yes. So that's what Paul's doing here in this first example. Those who creep into houses, this, this was actually happening in a place called Ephesus. There was a group of false teachers who were manipulating widows and manipulating young women who didn't know any better and leading them to sin. So this is just simply an example of what he was talking about. And then the next example, this is going to make some of you guys really excited and some of you guys are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. The two names right there, Janice and Jambres. I did some research because I'm like, who are these people? And I'm going to show you a picture of who they are. And you got to tell me if you know who these people are. Okay, who knows who they are? Wait, you're thinking wheels are turning. We have Prince of Egypt, the movie, the Pixar movie about Moses. Okay, these two magicians were competing against Moses for the Pharaoh. I don't need, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, but this is actually who Paul is referring to. Okay, these are um, Old Testament legends about two of Pharaoh's magicians who were competing against Moses, which is basically Paul just driving in the point that it's these religious people who are faking it. Okay, the religious people who actually, even their religion and even their relationship with God, it's actually just a form of their own selfishness, trying to get somewhere, trying to do something. And so at the very end of this, he says, but they will not get very far. I just put that picture in for you because, you know, we're doodling, right? Um, 
They will not get very far. These are the compromising Christians. Okay, these are the people who maybe go to church on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're doing whatever they want. It's the people who have the Bible verse in their Instagram bio, okay? But you know they're not, you're on their close friends, so like you get it, right? Like these are the people that are not living fully for God. They're living for themselves. But like we talked about, it's so easy for me, for you, to fall into this category of playing the part, but not actually giving your whole life to Jesus. But what Paul is saying here is that living for yourself will not get you very far. Living for yourself will not get you very far. And we know this. You know how selfishness has hurt relationships. Maybe not you, but maybe a family member who's only thinking about themselves, only living for themselves, and it's hurt you and hurt your relationships. Or if you're only focused on yourself, so you're cutting corners in work or cheating on tests in school, you're not going to get very far because ultimately we know this because we have a life and we've lived life long enough. Selfishness doesn't lead to good places. And that's what Paul's saying here is, hey, living for yourself is just not going to get you very far. So what do we do? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Paul's going to tell you. Here we go. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim. He likes long lists. I got all the long list passages. So here we are. My aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Okay, so here, I'm just going to go ahead, put up the next slide. This is the annotation that I came up with. Because look, Timothy has not fixed him his eyes on himself. Timothy hasn't thought, okay, what do I want to do? What is my teaching? What is my conduct? No, here he's, he's looking at Paul. So Paul is writing to Timothy. It's confusing because they say my, but we're talking about Paul from Timothy. Paul's teachings, Paul's conducts, Paul's aim. Timothy hasn't been focusing on himself. Timothy has been focusing on Paul. And it's important to understand the relationship between Timothy and Paul, because honestly, this is like a little creepy. Um, but at the time, Timothy was Paul's disciple. Okay, it was Timothy's job to model his life after Paul. But the cool thing is, and something maybe you've thought of, Timothy didn't have the Gospels. Okay, Timothy didn't actually have access to the life of Jesus. He was following Jesus. He was doing all the things, but he was doing that through Paul. What we have today are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We can actually model our life after Jesus. We can look at his teaching and his conduct and his love and his patience and his endurance, so the way that Timothy modeled his life after Paul, we actually can model our life in the same way after Jesus. Looking at his life, his decisions, his choices, and modeling ourselves, taking our eyes off of ourselves and looking at Jesus. Because the key to overcoming selfishness is to take your eyes off of yourself and to fix your eyes on Jesus. When we're so obsessed with ourselves, 
with what's going on with us, with making money, with getting attention, with having everything that we want, that's not going to get us where we want to go. But the key to overcoming that is actually fixing your eyes on Jesus. Like I said, we have a nine-month-old, and she's learning how to crawl right now, which is quite a time if you've ever been around a nine-month-old. And so how we do it is we put her on one side of the room, and then we go on the other side of the room, and then we act insane, like everything we can do to be like, come on, come on, come on, like crawl to mommy, crawl to daddy, here's a toy, here's my phone, like anything, like please crawl to me. And when she's like locked in on us, she'll like get on her hands and knees and like take like a step, but then she'll get distracted and she'll look over to the side and then she'll be all off balance and then she'll like fall over and like roll to the side and find a piece of lint to put in her mouth and it's like chaos. And so we have to prop her back up and we're like, no, 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 girly, look at me, look at me, come to me, come on. And she's like, okay. And then she'll like look up and then she'll, once again, she doesn't have very good balance. So she'll like fall over and then it, she's crying and we're like crawling is not going well. But that's kind of how we are when we think about fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, look at me, follow me, come to me. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But wait a minute, look over here. And then we like roll over and find a piece of lint to eat, okay? It's like chaos and we don't do what we're supposed to do. And we get off track and we get confused. And we, we follow after the things that we want or the passions that we have. And Jesus is like, no, girly, look at me. Like, come to me and that's how we do what we're supposed to do. That's what we need to do. And that's just a picture of what it looks like to actually fix our eyes on Jesus, to take our eyes off of ourselves. Because when we're looking at ourselves, we get distracted. Our motives get all crazy. But when we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, that is the path to take. So, Timothy, no, not Timothy, Paul continues. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Awesome. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Okay, so we're selfish. We got that. Thanks, Paul. How to not be selfish, fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay, I get it. We crawl towards him, right? Uh, how do we do that? What does that look like? Paul says, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed. What I like about a room like this is there are people in this room and we are all over the spectrum of faith. There are people who are just dipping their toe in. You're like, not really sure, but you came anyway. There's people who are like, no, I went to Daytona. I'm in the trenches. Like, trust me, I'm following Jesus. There's a whole spectrum here. And what, what Paul is saying is, hey, no matter where you are, continue. If this is your first time, come back. If you've been following Jesus for a long time and you're getting weary and tired, continue. Continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you have believed. Stay consistent. Stay moving forward. Continue on. And he gives two ways in which Timothy knows the truth and knows how to continue and knows what to continue in. And the first one is his childhood. 
Weeks ago, Clay talked about Timothy's childhood because Paul refers to it kind of a lot. Timothy grew up in a family of faith. Paul specifically talks about his grandmother and his mother. And for a lot of us, we have grown up, we've been lucky enough to grow up in a family of faith. I know I have, my dad is a pastor, my grandpa was a pastor, I married a pastor. So we can pull strength from our families, but I also want to say that I know there are people in this room and you're like, hey, not my story. <laughs> I'm the first one in my family to follow Jesus. Like, no one in my family. And, and I want to just empower you and let you know that you actually have a very special calling on your life to start that for your family. Years down the road, you can have a child, a grandchild, a niece, or nephew look back at a passage like this and say, yeah, I got that from my family because of you. And so this is a reminder that, you know, scripture that Paul is writing not to us, but to Timothy, because he makes that very specific claim about Timothy's life. But the truth is, if you're in this room, I just want to say that, hey, that can be you too, no matter where you fall. But then the second, the second way that we know what to continue in and know where to go is through the sacred writings, which is scripture. It's what we're studying right now. It's what we're doing right now. And we're about to go through a really common passage. We've probably read it a lot. Um, maybe you haven't, but I don't want to just, I, my biggest fear is that you go, okay, Allie's about to tell us to read the Bible and like that's going to fix all our problems. That's not what I'm about to do. But we do have to recognize that our source of strength, our source of being able to model our life after Jesus comes from this book. And so we get the honor and the opportunity to have it that not all the Christians before us even had. And so we're sitting here with this book, and there are Christians in the past who are like, you have that? Like, I would love to have that. And we just keep it on our shelf. We put it on our bedside table. We say, yeah, 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 I'll get around to it. And there are Christians in the past being like, what? Like, we had to, like, line up to read one letter from Paul. You know, like, we are so blessed to have the scriptures. And Paul says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. First of all, all scripture is breathed out by God. What does that mean? It means that scripture is inspired by God. This was written by human hands that God used, that God inspired to write it. But we, we call it God's word because we believe that it was breathed through a human into these words. And it's, it's, it's important for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. But before I look into that, I want to look at those two words that we circled, complete and equipped. And I want to I settle on this word complete for a second because how many of us have wandered around this life searching desperately to feel complete. I would argue that we spend a lot of our life searching, looking, striving, proving, getting into relationships, getting into jobs, saying the right things, staying up at night, going over the things that we said in our head because we are trying to feel complete. 
We feel broken. We feel like something's missing. We feel like something's wrong with us. We feel like we have to do this, this, and this, and then we'll finally feel the way we want to feel. We feel so incomplete. And we look to whatever we can to fill that for us. Okay, we look for success in a job then we'll feel complete. We look to get married. We look to a relationship. We look to a family. Maybe that'll make me feel complete. We look to get attention. We look to be influencers. We look to get followers. We look at all these things and we're just hoping that maybe something will make us feel complete. Well, I want to tell you, God made you to be complete, but he made you in a way that only he can be the thing that completes you. You're never going to find a full, complete life away from God. And what I think is also kind of funny, not funny, more like not funny at all, but the reason we are so selfish is because we're trying to find completion. The reason that we talked about earlier about loving money and being arrogant and being prideful, we do all of those things in order to find that feeling of actually being complete. When the truth is, the answer is right here. It's wholeheartedly following after God, taking your selfishness aside, fixing your eyes on Jesus by continuing in what you've learned and then understanding what God has done for you and giving your whole life to it. So there's that, and then there's this other word, equipped, which let me just tell you, if you haven't heard this before, or if you just need to be reminded, when God made you, God made a plan for your life. God put a purpose on you individually and he wants to equip you for that purpose. And I'm gonna say something and you're probably not gonna like it. If you live your life selfishly for yourself, you're probably going to miss the purpose that he has for you. I hate saying that because I don't want any of you to miss it. Here, young adults, our goal is for you to be a complete human who is running after Jesus in the purpose that he's called you to. And if you're living for yourself, you just might miss it. You will continue to wander around trying to get anything to fill you, to make you feel complete. And you're going to miss this giant, perfect, amazing purpose that God has for you individually. A wholehearted faith makes you complete and equipped for what God has for you. And another way to say that is a wholehearted faith molds you into the person God created you to be, a whole and complete person, and prepares you for what God has for you to do. But this requires us to think less about ourselves, to take our eyes off of ourselves, to put it on Jesus, and to run after him with everything, not part of it, Not your Thursdays, not your Sundays, not this relationship, but not that relationship, everything. And really fast, going off of this passage, I want to give you three really practical things. Because sometimes, I mean, we just went through a whole book of the Bible just like that. That was so fun, right? Not super painful. It was kind of fun. But here's three really, really practical things that you could start today. 
And the first one, this all comes from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. The first one is to learn scripture. Just learn it. (laughs) Read it. Memorize it. It says scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. You need to be taught scripture. You need to learn it. You need to understand how this book works, how there's 66 books, the Old Testament, New Testament. What does that mean? The gospels, the letters. Know scripture. Know it. I think we all, maybe not all, but I know that I used to just be like, Lord, what do you have for me today? And I would open a book and I'd be like, oh, the Lord, Jeremiah, who's that? I don't know, but that's for me. You know, that's not how we read scripture. Learn it. The next one, this one's going to be a little bit tough, but we got this. Delight in conviction. This piece of scripture says that scripture is good for reproof and correction. Meaning when you're going in a direction that you shouldn't be going in, God stops you. God puts that thing in your heart that's like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. God gives you an uneasy feeling. God convicts you. And how beautiful is conviction because being convicted is a perfect sign that the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you and cares where you're going. So delight in it. When you feel convicted, say, okay, hold on, take a moment, figure out, figure out what's happening and say, thank you. Thank you for not letting me go down that path. Thank you for stopping me because you care for me, because you have a life that you want me to live. I'm going to delight in this discomfort of moving in a different direction, delight in conviction. And then the third one, my papers are everywhere, whatever, train yourself. Take what you're learning, take where you're convicted, and practice. We've all trained for something. Maybe some of you trained for a marathon. You don't start running and you're awesome at it. You don't don't go to the gym for the first time and then you have six-pack abs. You train. So when you fall, when you trip, when you don't do this perfectly, that's okay. But train. Don't give up. Like Paul said, continue on. Learn scripture. Delight in conviction. Train yourself. Because if we're being honest, the only reason we can even do this is because God came to us. We can only love God because he first loved us. We can only pursue God because God first pursues us. So when you seek him, you will find him. When you're following after him, you're not going to miss your purpose. When you're fixing your eyes on him, you're going to find wholeness. You're not going to be walking around from one thing to the other trying to find it because you have the best thing on this earth, which is a relationship with Jesus. So be encouraged. I know this is heavy. This is a lot to do. This is a lot of like, oh no, am I going to miss out on my purpose? Jesus is pursuing you. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you to take a step closer to him tonight. Whatever that looks like, wherever you're convicted, whatever you feel God pulling you towards, that's him. That's him speaking to you. That's him reaching out for you. That's him pursuing you. And so I hope that tonight we can reach right back. I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, 
first of all, thank you for this book of scripture. Thank you that through miracles after miracles after miracles, we have this book of the history of your people and the documentation of Jesus's life and then all these letters from Paul. God, thank you that we have access to it. I pray that we stop taking it for granted. I pray that I stop taking it for granted. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you love us. And God, I pray for the people in this room that they'll take a step towards you and realize that you've been waiting for them, that you love them, you've been pursuing them. God, we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the NPYA podcast. To learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at North Point Young Adults or head to our website, northpoint.org slash youngadults. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss one. See y'all next time.